Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Just in case you didn't know, uh, this is 4th of July weekend, and so we're celebrating freedom. And so we're going to take a break from our 1 Corinthians series and focus on Jesus's teaching on freedom and where true freedom and deep freedom is found. And so if you would please open up uh, your Bibles to John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in the back there. And if you use the Bible, Take it with you. You can keep it if you don't have a Bible or just leave it on your seat and we quarantine them after the service for a few weeks. So uh, John chapter eight, again, about fourth book in the New Testament. And I think we have it. It's page 894 in the Red Bible if you need it. Fourth of July, of course, uh, we are celebrating the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, It is the beginning in many ways of our fight for freedom as a country, as they declared our, 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 our ancestors, I guess you would say, declared our freedom from England and our establishment of our own country. And since that time, uh, millions of Americans have served in the military to defend our freedom. Over a million Americans have died fighting for freedom. And as I had thought about this topic of freedom this week, uh, I became convinced, I could be wrong, but but I became convinced that there is no other cause in the history of the world for which more people have voluntarily laid down their life than for freedom. Even now in China, in North Korea, in India, even in places in America, people are fighting for freedom. If you've ever seen the movie Braveheart, it's one of my favorite movies, but, uh, but at the end, as he is dying... He cries out, freedom! And and this is really the cry of millions of people throughout history who long for freedom. An echo of millions of people who have been convinced that they either need to live free or die trying to do so. And so the question is, why is freedom such a high priority for us as human beings? Why are we willing to fight for freedom? Why are we willing to die for freedom? And it's because God has created us to be free. God has not created us to be caged. When we are caged, when our freedom is taken away, our souls revolt, they explode. And so let me ask you, are you free? Don't be too quick to answer that. Are you free? And if you are free, do you long to be freer? Today's passage, Jesus addresses a freedom that all of our hearts long for, but that we often overlook. 
And so John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. This is God's word. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray. Lord God, we long for freedom. Even in a country where we tout our freedom, that we say we are free. We know many times we don't feel free. And so God, pray that those here who are not free today would be set free by your son and those who are free would grow in their freedom that you have for us in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I wanna try something a little different. I'm gonna be a little bit participatory this morning. So this could bomb if you don't speak back, all right? So I need your help. If you were walking down Green Bay in Green Bay and you asked someone, maybe you're at fireworks last night or something, you said, how would you define freedom? What do you think people would say? Just curious. The, the ability to have choices, right? Unlimited choices, do whatever you wanna do. Good, what else? Come on. What's that? Freedom to practice religion without condemnation. Okay, let's get one more. Come on. Nobody telling me what to do, right? Yeah, I think that's by and large how people would define freedom, right? Thank you for participating. Um, freedom in the Bible, I'm sorry, freedom not in the Bible, in a dictionary is defined this way, and there's three definitions of it. One is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. The second definition is absence of subjection to foreign domination or despotic government. So that's, you know, the 4th of July, the Declaration of Independence, that was the freedom they were striving for. The third is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. And so when we think of freedom, typically when Americans think of freedom, they think of freedom from an outside power, right? So freedom from England is what our forefathers were thinking, or freedom from my boss, who's a complete jerk, or freedom from poverty, or freedom from sickness, or freedom from fill in the blank, right? People think freedom is, is something, you're, you're trying to get free from something outside of you, which is true. That is freedom, and those are things that we should strive for. That's not a bad thing. But what's interesting is the ancient philosophers, Greek philosophers, when they defined freedom, they thought of it completely differently. The way that they saw freedom was the ability to have mastery over your own thoughts, over your own desires, over your own words. The freedom Jesus talks about here is not so much an external freedom, 
but an internal freedom. Freedom that we can have no matter what our external situation is, no matter what country we live in. Jesus is addressing really the most precious freedom of all, which is soul freedom. And so in this passage, we're gonna look at this precious concept of soul freedom today, okay? And Jesus starts by really highlighting false freedom, all right? So look with me here, verse 31, and we're gonna focus on 33 and 34, but just so you have the context. Verse 31, it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. We'll get back and talk about that later. But he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so Jesus is implying to the Jews that are listening to him, you are not free. You need to be liberated. You are a slave. Well, you can imagine they're offended by this. And so they respond, verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? It's a very interesting response. If you are familiar with the Old Testament at all, you know that the descendants of Abraham uh, went into slavery time and time and time again. Uh, they were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. God miraculously delivered them out, but then they returned to sin and returned to bondage. And so they were enslaved to the Philistines and then the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and then the Persians. And during this conversation, they're enslaved to the Romans. And what's kind of ironic is this whole conversation is happening during the Feast of Booths in which they lived in tents to celebrate their freedom out of bondage. And yet here, they're so delusional that they say, hey, we've, we've never been slaves. And yet Jesus shows how their delusion is even deeper. Not only have they been political slaves, but they've been slaves within. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You see, again, while, while the Jews were focused on external freedom, much like we do in America today, Jesus was focusing at the heart, at the soul. And he's saying, listen, you are slaves, not, not just out there, but you're slaves in here, in the heart, in the soul. See, sin is the most awful of all slave masters because it fills us with misery and despair and torment, not only in this life, but for all eternity. It, it, it wrecks our relationship with God. It, it makes us subhuman. It chains us down. It entangles us in pulls us downward. It robs us of the freedom that God has intended for us as his creatures. Now you might say, hey, I'm not a slave to sin. I'm a pretty moral person. But in this context, Jesus was talking to Jewish Pharisees. And the Pharisees were like the most righteous people on the face of the earth, at least externally. They were the moral police out there, okay? They were the ones that everyone kind of looked up to and was like, oh, I have to be like them. And yet Jesus looks into the faces of the Pharisees and he says, you are a slave to sin. You see, friends, even the best men are men at best. 
Even the best men are slaves to sin. Even the best men are powerless against sin. You know, Satan has turned that around on us. He has convinced us that sin is weak and we are strong, that we can have control over sin, that sin doesn't control us, but we control sin and it does whatever we want it to do for our pleasure. He has sown this deception from the very beginning. I don't know if you've heard of a woman named Cynthia Lee Gamble, uh, but she used to live in Minnesota and she owned exotic pets. Uh, she was actually an expert on exotic pets. She, she wrote wildlife documentaries and was the animal coordinator for major motion films in Hollywood. Anyways, in her home in Minnesota, she had several pet tigers. And I'm sure she had names for them like Bobo and Cutesy and things like that. And they're fluffy and cute as babies. And I'm sure she thought she had mastery over them because she was a professional trainer. But that delusion was all flipped in a day when a tiger decided to show its might and mauled her to death. Siegfried and Roy, <laughs> for decades, thought they were masters over the tigers until one day a tiger decided to show who was in charge. In the same way, we, we have sin in our lives and we think we have mastery over it, that we can control it and do what we want with it. But the reality is it has mastery over us. And the reason why this is so important, the reason why Jesus is emphasizing this is because until you can confess you are a slave to sin, until you can confess that, you can never be free. And so if you want to be free, you have to start by acknowledging you're a sin, that you're a slave, that you're a slave to sin. Once you acknowledge that, then you can look for the liberator. And that's where we get to our next point. How do we find freedom? We find freedom by looking to the one who can set us free. Verse 36, Jesus says it so clearly. He says, so if the son, talking about himself, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Again, we are powerless against sin. Sin is stronger than us. Sin enslaves us. Sin deceives us into thinking that we are free. But here Jesus says, listen, there is only one way in the entire world that you can become free. And it's through me, Jesus says. I am the one who can set you free. Now, how does Jesus set us free? Does he have keys? Does, how does he set us free? Revelations 1.5 says it this way. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sin. How? By his blood. You see, we're told that the wages of sin, the, the payment of sin, you, you know, when you work a job, you get wages. The wages of sin is death. That is the price that must be paid for our sin. And, and in order for us to be freed from slavery, there's one who has to take our place, who has to take our payment for sin. And Jesus is the one who, who is been free from the beginning. He has never sinned. He's never been a slave master to sin. And because he's completely free from sin, he can subject himself. He can take our slavery upon himself. And that's what he did. That's how great the love of God is. Jesus became a slave on our behalf, took on our sin and paid the debt for our sin upon the cross. And so Jesus frees us from the penalty of sin at the cross. But it gets even better. 
Jesus not only frees us from the penalty of sin, but in the resurrection, it is triumph over the death through sending the Holy Spirit. Jesus frees us from the power of sin. He frees us from the penalty of sin and he frees us from the power of sin. Now you might be saying, well, man, I still struggle with sin a lot. And so I'm not really sure about this power of sin thing. It doesn't seem like Jesus has freed me from the power of sin. But would you consider what your life would be like without Christ? If you're a Christian, I mean, I cringe to think how my life would have gone if it wasn't for Jesus. I still struggle with sin plenty, but he has freed me so it no longer has dominion over me. You know, Harriet, Harriet Tubman was one of the most amazing women in U.S. history. She was born into slavery, but escaped and got freedom in the North. And yet when she was in the midst of her freedom, where she had dignity and respect, she wasn't satisfied because she said, you know what? I don't have my people with me. She said, I feel like a stranger in a strange land. And so she went back into those regions of slavery time and time again, 13 trips she went back. And if she was caught any of those times, she would have been killed. And so she risked her own freedom. She risked her own life to go back and to free other slaves that could not free themselves. The Lord Jesus didn't just risk his freedom. He didn't just risk his life. He gave his freedom. He gave his life so that we could be free in him. Christ has set us free. And it says we are free indeed. Even if we don't feel free, if you have trusted in Christ for your salvation, you are truly free. And so how can we be free? We must admit our false freedom, that we are slaves to sin, that we must find freedom in Jesus, turn to him, and his blood will set us free. But once we have that freedom, we have a responsibility which is to foster that freedom that we have in Christ. Verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, um, I had a long explanation, but I'm just gonna, this is, this is a wide range of beliefs. Some of them, it was a very superficial belief, not really in their heart. They just saw his miracles and said, this is a special guy. Others trusted him as their savior. And so Jesus is trying to differentiate the two. And so he continues and he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Notice he doesn't just say, if you know my word, right? A lot of people know the Bible. A lot of people know the words of Jesus. A lot of people know the saying, you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's it's plastered all over America in different buildings. It's not if you know his word, it's if you abide in his word. That means if you treasure his word in your heart and you grow in obedience to living out his word, then you will know you are truly his disciple. Anyone can get excited. Anyone can start a journey with Jesus. But if you endure, it proves you are one of his disciples. This is warning us against you know, just, just walking the aisle or getting baptized or having a special moment and saying, I became a Christian because of that and I know that. Jesus is saying, no, it's if you, if you continue in your faith. Those are special and wonderful things, don't get me wrong. But what proves our salvation to ourselves is if we abide in his word, if we continue in his word. Imperfectly, yes, but continue. 
And so again, back to verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then the famous verse, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, here's the thing. Most people look at the Bible as a book of rules that brings slavery. If we're honest, I think we often think that sometimes, don't we? Like it has rules about going to church, giving money, being generous, laying down your life, honoring your father and mother. Oh man, that's hard to do, right? And so it almost seems oppressive. It almost seems like slavery. Again, that's what Satan's been telling us since the very beginning. And yet David, a man filled with the Holy Spirit said, your law is sweeter than honey. It is more precious than gold. You see, what God's law is, is God's law is telling us how to live free. You see, the Bible is about how God set us free, and God's law is about how we live free. And so Christ says, if you want to grow in your freedom, if you want to foster your freedom, you're surely set free in Christ. But if you want to foster that freedom, if you want to grow in your freedom, abide in my word, melt into my word, obey my word, enjoy your freedom, and grow in communion with your God. You know, when I became a Christian, before I became a Christian, I was a very angry person, a very angry young man with illustrations I can't even share. It would be too embarrassing. But when I became a Christian, God had liberated me from that anger for the most part. I mean, I literally, a lot of the anger just kind of disappeared miraculously. Well, I found in the past like few years that anger creeping back. Um, especially as my kids become teenagers, I think. That, but, but, but it's in my heart, I see this anger welling up inside of me. You see, here's the reality. Even though we have been set free, we don't always live free, do we? I mean, do you ever feel, I feel it, that bondage kind of speaking back, like rearing up of, of sin? I've been set free. I just don't always live free. And so how do we pursue living free as free people? Abide in the word of God. Obey it. It's for your good. It's a gift of a father who loves you and didn't just set you free, but wants you to live free. And so we have to foster our freedom. We must not take the good news of the gospel and simply return back to sin. We must use it to pursue freedom. We've said it like this before. We said, God did not set you free to do whatever you want. God has set you free to be who you ought, to be fully human. That's where freedom is found. You see, here's the reality. All of us are slaves to someone. It could be to our passions, to sin, or we could be a slave to Christ, who is the great master of our souls, who seeks to give us freedom and joy. And so we must foster our freedom and obedience to God by treasuring and abiding in his word. Finally, Jesus promises us forever freedom. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Notice here the S in son, uh, depending on what version of the Bible you have, but it's lowercase. Uh, in some versions, it's capitalized, not very many. I think there's just one that I know of because it thinks it's referring to Jesus. The others have the S 
lowercase because it's referring to humanity in general. I agree that it should be lowercase that it's humanity in general because of the verses prior to it. But anyways, looking at verse 35, he says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. You know, sometimes we call the church um, the house of the Lord, right? This is God's house. This is where we gather to worship, to commune, to participate in the sacraments, to hear his word, to sing praises to his name. And we are all here today. And the reality is some of us are free in Christ and some of us are slaves to sin. You're either one or the other. You're either a slave to sin or you're free to Christ and struggle with sin. And what he's saying is, listen, we can gather together at church and we can all look the same and we can all enjoy the benefits of, of being in the house of the Lord. But if you have never surrendered your life to Christ, if you have never found freedom in Christ, your stay in the house of the Lord will end. But if you have trusted in Christ for your salvation, if you've admitted your slavery to sin, said, Jesus, set me free by your blood, and you've been set free by the blood of Jesus, you have become a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, and the son and the daughter will remain in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. And how wonderful and glorious it is to think about the freedom that we will have in heaven where there is no more sin at all. Can you imagine the day when you won't be tempted? Wow, freedom. How wonderful will that be? And so he promises us a forever freedom. J.C. Rao puts it this way. He says, liberty is the portion of all true Christians in the day that they flee to Christ by faith and commit their souls to him. That day they become free men. The day that you trust in Christ. You are free, indeed, you are free. Even if you don't feel free all the time, you are free. Liberty like this is their portion forevermore. Death cannot stop it. The grave cannot even hold their bodies for more than a little season. Those whom Christ makes free are free for all eternity. Friends, do you want a freedom? on the inside that no external circumstance can take away. You have to confess your slavery to sin. Look to the liberator, Jesus Christ, who has come to set the prisoner free. Feel the freedom, realize the freedom, enjoy the freedom that God gives to us in Christ and then cultivate that freedom by growing in obedience to the Lord and the joy of the Lord and the enjoyment of the Lord. And look forward to your forever freedom, communing with God. Don't be deceived. People will say coming to church, it's not freedom. If you want freedom, go fishing, go golfing, go do these other things. That's free. Freedom is only in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for setting us free. We don't deserve it. You are so gracious and wonderful to us and merciful to take people who have enslaved themselves, who have rebelled against you and set us free. God, I confess to you, Lord, so many times I, I, I forget my freedom. 
I, I turn to sin, Lord, and I put myself, I go back into bondage. I go back into to slavery, even though you have set me free and I am free. I, and so, Lord, I'm guessing I'm not the only one here. Lord, I pray for those who you have set free in Christ that we would foster our freedom through being obedient to you, Lord that we would not think freedom is disobedience, but obedience to you, Lord, and, and becoming more human as you have created us to be. Lord, if there's anyone here who is not free, anyone who is a slave to sin, God, pray your Holy Spirit would convict them, that they would feel the weight of their slavery and turn to Christ for their freedom. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.